0: This is a Soulfire production. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Politically Homeless. Oh my God, it feels good to be back with you today. Feels good to be here. In your energy, in your musk, as we travel through the universe together. So, got married last weekend. Oh, yeah, got married, and it has been—it's been—it's been a hectic little time <laughs> between uh, September and then going into this and then getting married. But now everything's back to some kind of stasis, and I think we can get back to business as usual which I'm very excited about because lots of shit's been happening. Lots of shit has been happening. I mean, Ellie Baldwin shot somebody. He shot somebody with a prop gun, which is weird and and odd, but here's one thing that really disgusted me in that situation, how people were uh, cheering it on as if that person, uh, the director of cinematography, deserved to get shot. It was weird. It was like there was the, the right-wingers took joy in some innocent person losing their life in an accident, which I found... Absolutely appalling, appalling. And of course, the NRA jumps on because the NRA is full of a bunch of cunts. Like I'm so disgusted with the NRA. There's a there's a there's a gun range here in, in Golden, Colorado. I think it's called the Golden Gun Club, and uh, I wanted to join because I wanted a place to go shoot long range. They have a you know long range shooting setup. So I was like, great. And they said, well, you have to be a member of the NRA to be a member of the club. And I was like, well. I guess then you can just suck my dick and not take my money. <laughs> like that's that was my response because the NRA is a lobby group that masquerades as something else and they're full of disgusting humans that um you know pretend that that <laughs> their messiah is the firearm, right? Their mess, their messiah is the AR15 and it's it's disgusting. I have I literally have a handgun sitting behind me right now. I am a Second Amendment advocate, but these people are just disgusting human beings. And I have zero interest in being affiliated with them in any way. In any way. It's a strange. Strange. frustrates me. You know, so I'll, I'll, I'll defend the Second Amendment uh, on my own. <laughs> or maybe with people like Coleo Noir or somebody that I can actually respect. But yeah, and it seems like culturally right now, we are transitioning from a period of uh, of pandemic infatuation to a period of economic collapse. It seems like we're in the we're in the middle ground, um, you know, the gray area of a Venn diagram between pandemic um, porn, essentially, is what is going on, and we're transitioning quickly into uh, economic disaster porn, which will be the next step in the evolution um, of this country or I guess the regression the de-evolution of this of this great nation uh, that has not really held up to its ideals in my lifetime but uh, does it via rhetoric only which is meaningless and embarrassing but you know that's where we're at and we have to accept that and try to plan for that. Which is odd. It's an odd thing to do to try to plan for an uh, an impending economic disaster. And you find yourself in a situation where it's like, well, there's nothing I can do about this, so how about I just try and make as much money as I can from it while it happens? Which is really not a fun thing to think. You know? That's a weird thing to think. It's like, well, maybe we just buy as much land as possible because it's kind of inflation-proof there. You know, it's just weird. It's Why? Why do, like that's it's so fucked up it's fucked up that we have to do that we have to think about things in that way I'm grateful to have be able to think about things in that way and and, and to know some of you may be able to do the same thing and may, may not but it's just weird and you know having taken a week off of the pod to get married and do those kind of things um a lot of things happen with social media and I think it was actually a good thing to not be posting because Instagram was fucking on one this past couple weeks. I mean, they're they're taking away your link buttons. They're taking and it's just it's weird. I mean, I was talking to Kelly about this last night. My wife. So weird to say that. Feels strange. But it's like we have these entire businesses set up on a thing that somebody lets uh, allows us to use, right? Podcasting, if you listen to this on podcasts, or you know, that's where it, that's where it's hosted Spotify, all these things, Apple, you know. But we get to do that because they allow us to. And at some point that may change. And at some point the taste of people might change or the cost benefit analysis might not be there. And that's a very fragile way to be a very fragile way to live life. It's, it's strange. And they're like, yeah, well, so mm, yeah, you don't get to, you don't get to participate anymore because we don't like what you have to say. And I would be lying if I said it didn't make me want to self-censor a bit. I probably won't, but I thought about it. And that's, that's strange. Lots of conflicting feelings going on inside of my, my meat body right now. But all we can do is the best we can. I mean, as, as we transition from, I mean, this is what this is too. This is, it's so similar to 9-11. I was, Tim Dillon talked about this the other day. It, this whole pandemic thing, this whole deal is so similar to 9-11. I mean, if you remember, and, and I'm 34, so I was young, but I remember it, uh, and I know many of you are older than me, probably a few of you out there that are younger than me and may not remember this, but we had like this, um, we had that 9-11 and the anthrax scare and Iraq and all this other stuff, and, and then Colin Powell, who, you know, died of COVID at 84 with blood cancer. It's like, can you say that someone who's 84 years old with blood cancer died of COVID? They just fucking died. He's 80 fucking four years old and has blood cancer. And probably he's also carrying around tons of guilt for being a lying piece of shit that led us into a 20-year war. Anyways, I digress. But we had these things. like Just like we have the COVID death ticker on every channel or used to, did for a year over a year, this death ticker, right? It was the same thing daily on these same shows, but it was like COVID, uh, 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 a terrorist threat level orange or purple or turquoise I don't fucking know it was just different it was like that was the, that was the news like today we're at threat level midnight you're like what the fuck are we talking about here but it's just fear porn that's all it is It's fear porn and when we have these these mega corporations that are reliant on eyeballs to sell reverse mortgages and pharmaceutical drugs I mean that's the incentives are fucked. The incentives are fucked everywhere you look. The, 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 the incentives within healthcare, fucked. The incentives within, uh, um, oh, what am I trying to think about here? Uh, venture capital, fucked. Well, not venture capital so much. Um, hedge funds, excuse me, fucked. They're fucked. Capitalism works only with robust competition and proper incentives. Markets work with proper incentives. It's not that fucking complicated. I know some people want to make you think it's complicated. It's not. To understand the market, you understand the incentives. It's straightforward. It's human, it's human behavior expanded and broadened. And we don't, I don't understand why this isn't a part of the discussion as, as much as I feel it should be. Like when we look at a market, we can't sit and be like innovation. It's just like stroking off the word innovation as if it means anything incentives are the word we should be looking at what are the incentives and what kind of behavior do those those incentives drive and they're fucked up everywhere and then the incentives within social media companies also fucked it's insane so but when you think about it from the, term, from, the from the perspective of incentive structure things make a lot more sense they make a lot more sense And I encourage you to do that. It's just, it's just, there are, there's no incentives. Think about this, right? We have this, this boom bust cycle, this late stage capitalism playing out in the United States. And I will defend the validity of markets and I'm not a socialist. I think socialism has solid points as a libertarianism. That's why I kind of sit in between the two, depending on what issue we're talking about. And when I say socialism, I mean what people mean by socialism, not the workers seizing the means of production, which is what it actually means, and also not what they say on Fox News it means, which is like school lunches are socialism, right? So when you look at the incentive structures of this boom-bust cycle, an instable, a highly fluctuating market is great for the people that are able to capitalize and manipulate those markets, which are the same people that have the leverage to make those kind of things happen. The incentive structure within that system is broken, which now makes the American economy much more fragile and easily manipulated because we don't acknowledge these kind of things. The incentives within the two-party system, also fucked. Right? Because we're, we're incentivized or these parties are incentivized to create the most divisive rhetoric possible and limit alternative options by having a duopoly on debates, media companies, et cetera. And we don't, we we sit here and cry about how broken it is, but we don't acknowledge what's actually going on, which is just a perverse incentive structure. And I feel it's the role of the federal government when incentives are fucked To unfuck them. So healthy common sense regulation. Now that has been, I would say that regulation, even before COVID, was mishandled and misused to create hurdles and barriers to entry to things that probably weren't necessary. Especially when it comes to individual liberties and small businesses. Which need to be rolled back, but we can never have that conversation because it's not sexy. It's not popular. Doesn't get eyeballs. Doesn't it doesn't get people out the seats. Doesn't get, get people out to vote. You have to suck off the billionaires to talk about punishing the billionaires. We can't talk about creating more opportunity. And we're going to see how how the Democratic Party has uh, as shit the bed on that situation yet again, which is which is just. So disappointing. It's like, <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I talked about. I was on. I was on JP Sears' podcast, and that'll be out probably in a week or two. I don't really know. I didn't even ask when it was going to be out. But we talked about this, and, and we had a really good discussion. And he and I publicly would you would look at our content and think that we're miles apart, but uh, you listening to that podcast, you can understand. And I talk about my issues with the right, right, and. When I look at it, and I, I heard somebody say this, I can't remember who it was, but Republicans win. I talked about this. When re- Republicans win when Democrats deserve to lose because they don't bring forward new ideas. They don't want to address any problems. They want to let, they, they defer responsibility onto, onto, you know, via this pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality that doesn't make any goddamn sense. They defer to that to justify their inaction. And that, that to me is disgusting. And I think that's why when Democrats completely shit the bed, you see a red wave. The mid I am at this point just, just biting my tongue until the midterms come. And you see a red wave that we haven't seen since 2010. You think the Tea Party was bad? Wait till 2000, what is it? 2000, uh, what year is it? 2022. You know? Think about that like you're going to see this tea party bullshit where because the democrats have mishandled <laughs> have mishandled themselves so badly which gave rise to people like Glenn Beck right great thinkers like Glenn Beck you're going to see that again an updated version of it but it will happen again because of the way they've mismanaged their entire situation i mean that's the thing, man. I was talking to Kelly last night about this too. It's like liberals annoy me for sure. AOC annoys me. These people, it's, this performative politics on the left is obnoxious. But the same level of the same level of um performative politics on the right actually annoys me more. And may that, that may be some of my kind of inherent bias or just what the, the, the hills they're willing to die on, I think you are just so stupid. And I don't think conservatives are stupid. Don't get me wrong. But I find super conservative, like, like the MAGA right, just so incredibly obnoxious. And yes, I think that, that blue-haired they-them screaming about God knows what on TikTok is also annoying, but I don't have to see it. You know, like I was talking to a friend of mine who I won't name a very prominent conservative. Um, and I was like, man, I'll tell you that AOC annoys me less than Charlie Kirk. And he was like, yeah, me too. You know, that's a conservative saying that very public conservative. And now because the Republicans or, or the Democrats, excuse me, have, have blown it so badly More of those voices will be elevated into the public zeitgeist. And I have to cover that shit, which I love what I do, by the way. I'm not complaining about that, but damn, it's frustrating. (sighs) We got some fun stuff today, y'all. Got some new COVID travel stuff. We're gonna shit on some, uh, some Democrats, of course. Talk about Dave Chappelle just a bit. Russell Brand, Southwest Airlines, Don Lemon. John Deere, good times. Let's go, it's time for the State of Things. So international travel has been restricted since the Trump presidency. And we were supposed to um, wind that back a bit, November 8th, so we just got a little bit of new, this is actually breaking news, which we very rarely cover here, but this got put into my uh, purview right before I started the show. Check this shit out here, as we open up the new international travel, U.S. to require contact tracing COVID tests when international visitors curb, uh, curbs, what, what the fuck? Why that's the weirdest headline. U.S. to require contact tracing COVID tests when international visitor curb uh, lifts next month. Let's see the key points here from CNBC. The Biden administration plans to allow vaccinated visitors from abroad into the country starting November 8th. The COVID-era travel restrictions barred most visitors from the UK, EU, Brazil, and other countries unvaccinated inbound travelers. And here's the important part. Let's check this out. Unvaccinated inbound travelers, including... U.S. citizens, will have to show proof of a negative COVID test from within one day of departure. Now, that was three days. Now, it's one day. I traveled. Um, that's actually where I got engaged. was in Hawaii. Is about five months ago, four months ago. Traveled to Hawaii, thought we had to just take a test on the way there, uh, and maybe on the way back, whatever. Um, but turns out we had to take like five. So we ended up spending a thousand dollars a piece on COVID tests, right? It was absolutely absurd. You had to go to an urgent care, it had to be a one selected by the Hawaii government. It was a fucking shit show. It was awful. It was so frustrating. And they were like two hundred dollars a piece, it was a mess. Um Really frustrating. Now, even within that, we had the three-day window. Doing it the, within 24 hours, and here's what they're doing here. They're trying to make it incredibly inconvenient for you to not be vaccinated. That's exactly what's happening, which I don't understand at this point. I mean, now of course, we divorced ourselves from things making sense before Biden even got elected. Like Things stopped making sense when Trump was president. and They've continued to snowball in not making sense since then and maybe at a expedient rate, right? So let's just keep going here. The white house on Monday said it will require airlines to check us bound travelers, a proof of COVID-19 vaccination and provide contact information to federal officials as part of a new of the new rules to lift pandemic level restrictions on international travel starting next month. This contact tracing thing I find very inappropriate, incredibly inappropriate and a massive invasion of privacy. Um, The Biden administration earlier this month said it plans to lift pandemic restrictions that barred most visitors from dozens of countries, including the UK and Brazil, on November 8th, allowing vaccinated travelers, allowing in vaccinated travelers. The rules were put in place first by the Trump administration in early 2020, then extended by the Biden administration this year. Another change that is. That is, inbound travelers, including U.S. citizens who are unvaccinated, will have to show proof of negative COVID test taken within one day, up from three days. Vaccinated citizens and visitors will still have to show proof of negative COVID test um, that was taken within three days of departure. So, if you're vaccinated, you have to take a you get a COVID test that shows proof of negative or that you're negative of COVID within three days. But if you're unvaccinated, it's one day. Why? No one fucking knows. That's why. Because it wouldn't make any fucking difference that you can still get the disease and spread it if you're vaccinated, right? Right? So why the difference in one day and three days? There's only one reason. There's only one reason to create a massive inconvenience for unvaccinated people. That's it. That is it. And when we look at this, and Rand Paul talked about this, which it's weird to agree with Rand Paul so much, but the dude's been incredibly based as of late and has positioned himself to be a, a pretty solid 2024 candidate, if I had to say so myself, just because of his, him publicly confronting Fauci, which I will defend the left on this. Many people on the left, go look at the gray zone, right, which are all out socialists, if not communists, are pissed off about this completely pissed off about this and of course the entire right is as well but there's many 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 people on the left that are one unvaccinated two completely pissed about this whole situation so you see people like Rand Paul who are saying hey 90% of people over 65 which are the 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 most at-risk people are vaccinated that's a win we never talk about the wins we never talk about the wins uh 70% or something 70 to 80% of people over 50 are vaccinated that's a win these are the vulnerable people. You know, we need to look at how many obese people are vaccinated, how many people, you know, like these, these kind of things where it actually matters, but we never hear about the wins. All we hear about is the negative. All we hear about is the negative. If you, and he said this, and Rand Paul said this, if you watch CNN, you think that no one's vaccinated and unvaccinated people are the reason or are, 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 are kin to domestic terrorists. It's insane. It's pure insanity. And the negativity bias within the news is just disgusting. And maybe I need to bring in more feel-good stories on this show so that way I can't be... Maybe I'm part of the problem. Who knows? But this is so... I mean, creating this inconvenience for people is just fucked, man. Like, there's not much else to say about it. I wish I could have some more articulate, uh, long-winded approach to this. But at the end of the day, it's like, guys... What are we doing here? What are we doing here? What? Why? It just it doesn't make sense. I've got to quit pretending that it does. And for those of you out there that are pro-vaccine and, and even pro-mandate to some time, understand. And if, here's the thing, too. Actually, if you're pro-vaccine and pro-mandate, fuck off. If you're not, maybe you're vaccinated. I have friends like this. If you're vaccinated, I want to make this appeal to you right now. Understand. When you make decisions about who you're going to vote for or what you're going to support, okay? Understand that many times you might support someone based on other policies that doesn't think that I should be able to go into a grocery store. Think about that. I have good friends and I position it that way. It's like I had a friend who's vaccinated who voted against the recall of Gavin Newsom because Larry Elder is a joke, which Larry Elder is a joke. But I, want to, I put it this way, I said, hey, you just defended someone who doesn't think I should be able to go into a fucking coffee shop. Think about that. Think about that. And I would have said the same thing five or six years ago, seven years ago, about conservatives who were against gay marriage. I'd be like, hey man, I understand that you like conservative fiscal policy, but what right now you're doing is voting so this, these two guys and these two girls over here can't get married. They're they're being stripped of human rights. Why would you vote for that? And I still see the Republican Party as the party that opposed gay marriage for decades. That's why I don't respect them in many ways. And I think they're bad faith actors across the board with very, very few exceptions. And maybe that's principles. Maybe, I don't know. I don't want to sit here and be like, I'm so principled, but it it just makes sense to me. It's like, how are the people that I disagree with going to be treated by these quote-unquote leaders? And that's how I make many decisions. And I think maybe from that place we can find more accountability. But until then, because there's a bunch of virtue signaling, flag waving, people are going to continue to vote for people that don't think that I should be able to go to a grocery store or a movie theater or a coffee shop. And that to me is equally as fucked as the kind of people who supported candidates who didn't want gay people to get married. Maybe my logic is flawed there. Let me know if it is. But it seems to add up to me. So there's been a lot of hubbub,aloo about about uh, infrastructure bills and reconciliation bills, what's going into them. Actually talked about this with J.P. Sears a bit as well. Um, interesting stuff here. Interesting stuff. Now, when I, I was in a – even the $3.5 trillion bill, I was like, yeah, I'm into that. I mean, there's a lot of things in there that I think would be really, really good. Um, I cited a few. The child tax credit, uh, universal pre-K, and a big one was – Two years free community college. And here's why. I'm going to defend this before we even get into this article here. Community colleges, if you look at it, right, one, there's a couple different types of people who. Go to community college. People that are non-trad, so non-traditional students who are older, who are going back to school, um, usually to get uh, higher wages at their job, something like that. Or it's younger kids who are getting their basics done, or people who can't afford to go to a traditional four-year school, um, but like would like to get some kind of certificate. A lot of times, nursing you can go back to community college to get a teaching certificate, things like that. Okay, so these aren't. This isn't like Susie getting a liberal arts degree and being, you know, and and that's meaningless and adds very little value to anything. um, Trying to chase. dream which is unlikely to be realized these are real people trying to do better for themselves generally speaking and I thought the the community college the tuition-free community college was a great investment for the future of our country for the empowerment of our workforce and for the elevation of people that have not been had an opportunity to be upwardly mobile in this country which is a huge problem that is fueling income inequality that is fueling more of a push towards socialism and things like that. See, the conservatives don't want to take any responsibility for the rise in socialist tendencies within the country even though they are fucking responsible. Not enforcing antitrust laws. Allowing companies to grow way outside the bounds of what was what was considered appropriate. Not enforcing these... I mean, and it comes back to antitrust too. Non-competitive practices do not get punished in this country. Ever. Ever. I mean, finally, finally. Because, and the thing is, here's the benefit. Here's the benefit of of, of conservatives being so, censored on social media. For the first time in their fucking lives, they actually gave a shit about an oligarchy. For the first time. You know how weird it is to hear Republicans crying about an oligarchy when they've helped build everyone that's fucked the American working class over and over again? Strange. It's strange, but then they get, then they, they have to pay the price for non-competitive practices, and oh, oh, no. Now we got to repeal Section 230 because it comes at a cost to you because all the poor people you don't have to fucking look at, right? All these bridges that have homelessness encampments underneath them because of the policies you guys, you guys, the conservatives, the policies that you guys put forth to fuck over the working class, and still you don't want to take any responsibility for the rise in a call for wealth redistribution when for the first time in American history, the top 1% owns more wealth than the middle 60%. And just so we know some numbers here, the middle 60% is people making in between $27,000 and $121,000 a year, or excuse me, $140,000 a year, which is basically fucking everyone. Unless you're homeless, or mega wealthy, you're in the middle 60%. And the 1% now owns more wealth than the middle 60. The fact that somebody making $27,000 a year is also in the middle 60%, let that roll around in your fucking head for a while. Odd. But anyways, let's continue here. Democrats abandoned free college tuition uh, free commute excuse me democrats had abandoned free community college as white house warns social safety net bill will shrink below two trillion just to be clear here this bill started at six trillion which of course is probably a little bloated then it went to 3.5 now we're down to two but this doesn't mean anything right these numbers 1.5 1.9 2, 2.2 3.56 none of it means anything. tell me what's in the fucking bill and finally, we have a headline that says, hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna cut away one of the things that would have actually made the biggest difference. And you know why? You want to know why they're getting rid of this? Because four-year universities, which are hella wealthy, lobbied against this part of the bill. A corrupt organization that puts people in six-figure debt to get a meaningless piece of fucking paper, lobbied to have the free community college taken out of the reconciliation bill. Not because that's what the American. This is incredibly popular. This is an incredibly popular piece of legislation. But who to we kowtow to as Democrats? The fucking corporate interests. Because the banks want you to take loans. And the universities want you to pay $1,000 or $5,000 or $10,000 for a goddamn racquetball course. That's what it is. That. That is what they want to keep expanding. Have you ever driven by a, co- a college campus? If you I mean if you graduated college or went to college and maybe graduated I graduated like 8 or 9 years ago, something like that, maybe 10, fuck, I don't know. But you go back to the campus, it doesn't resemble what it used to. They've expanded. They bought more land, they built more buildings. They never stop growing. And they're a cancer on society in many ways, backed by the banking industry that gives out loans to 18-year-olds that have zero comprehension of what the fuck they're getting themselves into that you can't even default on. And those are the fuckers that are bending the will of the Democratic Party. And somehow, some way, some shape, some way they want us to respect them. And oh, the people that are blocking the bill, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, you th- are you praising them because you think this is a, a government spending situation? What you're doing when you're praising Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin is praising corruption, because their differences with the reconciliation bill have nothing to do with spending. It has to do with the fact that Kirsten Cinema, who ran on lowering prescription drug prices, happened to get seven hundred fifty thousand dollars from the big pharma, and then changed her mind. Right. Allowing Medicare to negotiate pharmaceutical drug prices is supported by eighty to ninety percent of Americans on polling. But Kirsten Cinema is going to take seven hundred fifty k and then also teach a course on fundraising as a politician. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. And of course, Joe Manchin's uh, daughter is the CEO of a of a pharma company who then outsourced as soon as she became CEO, outsourced all their jobs to China, laid off all of its workers, and then got a golden parachute of $30 million. So yeah, those are the people that the conservatives are cheering for. Fantastic. Fantastic. (sighs) President Joe Biden told progressive lawmakers Tuesday that the final social spending bill is expected to drop tuition-free college and curtail the the child tax credit program, of course. Two sources familiar with the meeting said, the sources said the popular child tax credit is likely to be extended for an additional year. Many Democrats have pushed the proposal to reduce poverty and and remove financial barriers to higher education and vocational training, which again are essential for the working class. I mean, really. Community college and vocational training. And we can't, they, they, they even fuck that up. One of the most common sense pieces of legislation that's been proposed in my lifetime, and they fucked that up. Biden and the Democratic congressional leaders are working feverishly to reach a deal, but the talks remain fluid as the party works to narrow the bill to a version that can become law. Another big priority, the sweeping climate measure known as the Clean Energy Performance Program is also likely to be be curtailed in the spending bill thanks to Joe Manchin and uh, the coal industry, which is an industry of the future. Uh, However, congressional sources said Tuesday that while the climate proposal will be scaled back, there will be a focus on clean renewable energy. Two sources familiar with the negotiations also said lawmakers are considering shortening paid leave in the bill from from a potential 12 weeks to four. So let's see. We've got uh, the child tax credit gone. Free community college and vocational training, gone. Um, The clean energy stuff, probably a little bloated, so I'm not really too concerned about that. Uh, uh, Maternity and paternity leave shortened from 12 weeks to four. So many countries, developed countries, allow mothers or fathers to have six months of maternity leave and paternity leave. Six months, because that's what wealthy nations should do for their people because creating a healthy attachment with your child creates healthier adults, healthier, healthy, healthier adults contribute to the society more than unhealthy adults, of course. And you know, that's, that's a, it's a, it's a rewarding cycle that we can catch ourselves in. Instead, fuck you for having kids Four weeks. Get your ass back to work. You are a consumer, not a citizen. Don't you fucking forget it. That's the perspective of the United States government. So that's cut. So what the fuck is left? What in the fuck is left? You've told, you've told me everything that, gave, that fucking mattered is gone and now I don't want this bill to even fucking pass. How about you do this? Take all the shit you just cut out, put it in another bill and pass that shit for like one trillion or something. What in the fuck is happening here? We're the richest country in the fucking world and we can't give moms 12 weeks off. Oh, by the way, There's dozens and dozens of ships piled up outside of LA that can't dock and Pete Buttigieg, who didn't even give birth because he's a fucking dude, got two months off and he's a goddamn transportation secretary. We have the biggest transportation crisis of my lifetime and this motherfucker is breastfeeding his child with the thing that hangs from his neck. What are we doing? You got that job and you get two months off, but real working class people can't take fucking 12 weeks. They get four. What? This is a fucking clown show. A clown show. Maybe instead of telling me how much the bill cost, you could spend a little time telling me what's in it and the rest of the mere American people. So we can have that conversation. But right now, I hope this bill burns, burns to the fucking ground. Fuck this bill. Fuck Nancy Pelosi. Fuck Joe Biden, especially that demented motherfucker. For being completely incompetent failures. And when I voted for Joe Biden, I thought a couple things might happen. We might get a public option. Nope. We might get legal marijuana. Not going to happen. And if that didn't happen, then he would. the, the, the Democratic Party would collapse like the house of cards that it is. And it seems like door number three is the door we're walking through. And you know what? I'm kind of actually stoked about it. Thank you, Joe Biden, for being a colossal failure. You know, when you think of John Deere, right? Everybody knows that logo, that green logo with the yellow deer on it, just jumping over a fence. That's what that jump looks like when they're jumping over fences. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a brand of the working man. You know, the working class. It really, it's a brand that stands up for workers and provides them with high quality equipment to get out there in the fields and do what they need to do to provide for America. That's what you think about when you think about John Deere. And that is complete and utter horseshit. So here's what John Deere's up to. Um, this is from the More Perfect Union. I recommend you follow them on Twitter. Striking John Deere workers are furious about the company's contract offer, which would give them only a 2 to $3 raise over three years. Deere CEO made $15.6 million in 2020, a 160% raise. John Deere's CEO got a 160% raise in 2020. John Deere made billions and threw us peanut shells. We're supposed to scoop them up. That's a quote from one of the workers. We're going to watch this whole fucking video. Before that, I want to say, workers' rights in this country, and this is what we're seeing right now. Kellogg's is trying to unionize. So is Starbucks. We're seeing great stuff. Amazon successfully quashed the union that was trying to uh, to, to rise up in Bessemer, Alabama. But hey, workers need a seat at the table to negotiate for their own benefit because that motherfucker... That made 160% more in 2020. He's never gone and worked in those factories. Never. And you know what's funny? When these workers went on strike, they tried to uh, pull off some of their extra white-collar workers and send them, train them up really quick and send them to fill in. And they made it less than one hour into the first day before 911 was called because someone was injured. Now that person ended up being fine. But to think, and even the labor department calls these type of workers unskilled workers. And the only type of person who would call these workers unskilled workers is someone who's never done that kind of fucking job. I can tell you I've worked side by side with a bunch of welders, roofers, oil and gas operators, pumpers, rig hands, roughnecks. There's nothing about those jobs that are unskilled. Not a goddamn thing. And the fact that we had that perspective and the fact that in the era of Bill Clinton, at the Democratic Party, shifted away from being a a party of blue-collar workers into this neoliberal cesspool disgusts me. So I love seeing this. This is one of the things that through the pandemic, these workers have leverage and I want them to use it. I want them to pull that lever every chance they get. Because they deserve more. They deserve more from their employers. Now let's watch this video and see what's up.
1: We make the product, and they are making billions of dollars on our back.
2: All these people have been in there during the whole COVID pandemic, coming to work every day, uh, you know, with the potential of exposing themselves and their families, uh, you know, to this. But they came in and worked anyway. But do I see Deere and Company, you know, kind of recognizing that and trying to reciprocate in any sort of way? No, I don't. John Deere makes six billion a year. They do peanut shells on the floor, and I have to scoop them up. Well, guess what? My dad and me appeared this in 1986. We're back. We're union strong. We've got the community behind
0: us. It says 10,000 workers at John Deere are on strike. They're demanding uh, fair pay and retirement benefits. Their first strike since 86. I've worked at
2: John Deere for 19 years now. Uh, the reason why we're striking is, you know, 1997 is when uh, Deere divide and conquered. They made the two-tier wage system. Um, where, you know, new hires coming in after the 1st of October, 1997, uh, you know, got paid less wages, uh, didn't have health care after retirement, um, a pension, which is about a third of our predecessors, and, uh, you know, we've be- basically been taking concessions from that point for the last 25 years. They keep coming back for more. It never stops. Once they get you on the run. They're projected to make between 5.7-5.9 billion dollars this year, the third quarter reportings um, have it surpassed the record-breaking year of 2013. CEO John May got a 160% raise. You know, look, I make uh, 2082, I think, an hour with the proposed con- contract that we voted down Sunday by 9 out of 10 people voted down. Uh, we sent a strong, clear message to John Deere that, you know, a dollar raise an hour is not going to do much for me.
1: Good I for make $19.60 an hour as a welder.
0: Mm-hmm. $19 and 60 cents an hour as a welder. I want you to go try and hire a welder personally and tell them you're gonna pay them $20 an hour and watch them laugh in your fucking face.
1: Um, the, but just for the whole factory, they would like, I would think they need a $5 raise across the board just for Boom. the fact that we can go to a fast food place and make as much money and, and not wear our bodies down.
0: John Deere offered workers a 5% raise next year, 3% in 2024, and 3% in 2025. Between $2 and $3 over the next three years. They want to end the pension program for new hires, of course. 22 years and I finally
2: got a job <laughs> where it's comfortable and I make decent money. But there are other plans, other people in this plant aren't making the money they should.
3: I'm already a labor grade one, but definitely for the people that are out on the floor building these machines. I'd like to work around people that are happy and feel like they're valued. Yeah, we're looking
2: out for the the guys that come next. You know, our kids, you know, the kid down the street, or the guy needs a job. You know, we have to look out for the people, you know, that come here in the future. My grandpa, my dad, uncles, aunts. I have family members on both sides of the fence. It's
3: no longer about are my employees happy to be here? Do they feel compensated? Do they feel like their benefits support them? So, I mean, that's that's for me, that's that's part of this fight. You know, Walter Ruther, one of my favorite quotes of his was that the UAW doesn't want a bigger piece of the pie. We want a bigger pie. We want it to be bigger and we want there to be more out there for everybody, not just ourselves. That's what we're really, truly fighting for.
1: The reason we want to look for the future is because of this little boy right here. This is my grandson, Aiden, and he looks at that factory um, with admiration and, and joy that his grandmother works for John Deere, and that might be his job one day. And I don't want to ruin something that would potentially be my grandson's. So we want to look out for the future for the, the kids that are growing up that want to go to work for John Deere.
2: We have a you know a strong uh, showing of support from our community. Um, you just seen there, we had a local restaurant uh, bring over 70 tenderloins, you know, for uh, people walking the picket line. Uh, there's a convenience store down the road that's giving discounts and free coffee. Uh, people have been bringing stuff to us, so uh, we're really appreciative of uh, you know the community standing behind us.
3: Well, if the wage of the union worker is better, even the non-union worker's wage will come up in order to keep good good help and talent. Yep. And so uh, the benefits will rise. I mean, if somebody knows they can go to this non-union shop and they offer ben- offer benefits and, and higher pay because they don't want them going to a union shop. Solidarity don't waver. Uh, other labor people will be supportive. I recall like
2: back in 86, which was the last time they had a strike here, we had a Hormel lockout going on at the same time across town. And these guys were, UAW was 74, was extremely supportive of those guys while they were locked out, raised money for them every week at the plant gate for several years. So I, I think those folks will be more than ready to help pay back these guys for that support. And those are the two biggest employers in town by far. So we all support one another and stick together good things happen
0: for all of us solid video there and and the thing about that is too, you're not seeing this covered because it's not that sexy it's not that sexy workers rights is not a sexy issue i can tell you right now in the igtv video that i'm posting for this and josh our editor leave this in here this will get shit views You may be bored right now listening to it. But you know what? This shit matters. These corporations move in these towns. They monopolize the workforce. They pay them like shit. Walmart does this worse than any other company. Well, Amazon's pretty close, but you can actually make more money at Amazon than you can at Walmart many times. But they come in monopolize the workforce. They set the standard. They do the wage fixing. And everybody else has to follow suit insane it's insane and again it's not sexy there's not an angle on this we can go trump is evil or biden is e-, none of that so you're not going to see it on the news of course they don't really give a fuck about workers rights or anything aside from their own bottom line but it's something i wanted to share and hope it's something you keep up with go follow um go follow more perfect union on on twitter Check them out if you're into that kind of thing. And just keep tabs of this and give these people support if you can. Um, share this around. Because this kind of stuff, I know, it, it, again, it's not sexy. It's not COVID. It's not vaccine stuff. It's all that, not all that shit. But these people need support. They need better treatment. and need the ability to support their families. And this is America, guys. It's the United States of America. We're so proud of ourselves and self-righteous. The least we can do is take care of our blue-collar folks who are making this, this this thing work. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Elemental Labs Listen. If you listen to this podcast, you've heard about Element, okay? It is a salty, magnesium, electrolyte beverage that you put in water, and you mix it up, and you put it in your face, okay? You're not hydrated enough. At this point, if you're not drinking Element, then you are an extremist, you're an extremist with extreme beliefs that hydration is not essential to a highly functioning human being. Okay? You're dry inside. Your skin's dry. Your organs are dry. It's like dune inside of your body. And what you need is the spice. And the spice comes in the form of element. Will it make you see into the future? I don't know. hasn't done that for me yet. But I have been getting this really distinct feeling, possibly from my guides, that um, we're heading towards an economic collapse. And when that happens, what you'll need on hand is something that helps you absorb water in a more efficient and productive way. And that is Element. So go to drinkelement.com slash wanders to get a variety pack of all the best flavors, and all you have to do is cover shipping $5. $5. Which now, based on the modern inflation rate, is like 25 cents. Get it while you can. Get it while you can. Don't let inflation get you. Be prepared for the impending doom as America circles the drain. And stay hydrated as you watch... The show. Not this show, but like the show that is the downfall of the United States of America. Element.com slash Wander's Variety Pack. Just covered shipping $5. Link is in the show notes. We also have a new show sponsor today. And I'm very excited about it. Because there was a time in my life where I would buy tubs of protein. Tubs. Gallons. I would snort creatine and take Adderall to get focused and have my body perform, and just bust weights like a savage, like an absolute savage. And let's, not, let's not get it twisted here. I was jacked, okay? I was a thick daddy. But nowadays, as I've aged and gotten into my mid-30s, I don't think about how can I get as much protein down my face as possible. The thought, the thought does cross my mind. But really what I think about is how can I stay healthy? How can my body feel better? How can I extend my life and quality of life as long as possible? So I started choosing quality over quantity. And that's why I turn to our friends over at Cured Nutrition. Now, here's the thing. These guys are combining cannabinoids via CBD, which everybody knows the benefits of CBD. I'm not going to preach at you about that. With medicinal mushrooms like reishi, lion's mane, chaga, turkey tail, and cordyceps, along with adaptogens, which adaptogens are a really like fun word, but what we're looking at here is non-toxic plants that help the body resist stressors of all kinds, physical, chemical, biological, etc. right? So these are stress adaptation plants, which, of course, we're stressed. Do you ever listen to this podcast? You think I'm not fucking stressed out half the time? I'm wading into the deep darkness that is politics, and you are too by being here. Just by listening to this podcast, you need this, okay? Now, if I look at their shop, and I'm just, look, just perusing their shop right now, which is beautiful, by the way, really well done. They've got a beverage that combines all this goodness in a sparkly little water. Like, it's, like a, it's like a sparkling water. It's fancy. It's called euphoria. It's good. Ginger lime, baby. It's like a Sprite. But instead of making you obese, it makes you feel better. Welcome to the party. Now, with their CBD line, I love this because they have like a general CBD, a daily CBD. They have a night CBD, a morning CBD. They've got a cured rise. Like there's things that are spits like, hey, where do you want to be optimized? What part of your day, what part of your life? They've got a product for you. It's awesome. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Now, I know the founder of this company and his beautiful wife and their beautiful small human child. Great little baby. Very small. Not sure what the personality is going to be like yet, but I have a lot of faith that it's going to be a pretty cool kid just based on the parents. You never know. But, anyways, they've even got dog CBD and dog treats in here. I mean, come on. They've got a salve that is hemp infused, extra strength that, you know, when the muscles are sore because you're in there busting weights, pumping iron, being better, getting better every day. And one thing about this, too, I want to point this out. I love Cured. Cured has great products, great branding. They did an amazing job. Okay, I want you to go check out their website, curednutrition.com, regardless of what you think. Just go look if you're into this kind of thing. But I also want to point out that with a show like this, an independent show like this, sponsors like Element and Cured who have the the cojones to put their name on something that I'm doing, right, or the kind of people who sponsor Tim Dillon. These are people, right, especially with a smaller show like this. It's like a medium-sized podcast. These companies are, are backing independent creators, just like the Patreon subscribers. And just for that alone, for that alone, they deserve a look. So here's the deal. Cured makes great stuff. Go to crude use the code homeless. You're gonna get 10% off and free shipping. Of course, you can subscribe and save. Try some stuff out. Ladies, if you if you if you uh, have a period and stuff or whatever ladies do, they have stuff for that. Fellas, if you want to be uh, you know, working on if you want if you have sore muscles and tight joints, fucking get some of that salve, baby. It'll last you a long-ass time. If you've got a dog who's older or maybe is a little bit, you know, not as sharp as it used to be, grab some of that Raw Paw is what they call it, which is just a cute name for dog CBD. Cured Raw Paw. Come on. And you can save 10% and get free shipping by using the code WANDERS. We also have a link in the show notes. So check it out, guys. Element, Cured, two great companies. So proud to have them on board. Thank you to you guys, Cured and Element, if you're listening. And... Thank you to you guys for supporting the companies that support this show. Now, let's get back to it. So, I finally got around to watching Dave Chappelle's new Netflix, Netflix special called The Closer the other day. I thought it was really good. I mean, I listened to the guys on the All In podcast to get my billionaire perspective. And they were like, you missed the mark. It was more just him talking... I think that's maybe the perspective of somebody who's pretty disconnected from reality, as many billionaires are. Um, So I didn't have high hopes going in. And was it as funny as Sticks and Stones? No. But I thought it was fantastic. Um, Really enjoyed it. The space Jews bit, like, had me rolling. Uh, It took me a minute to get it, but it was... I mean, just... (laughs) He pulls no punches. And I enjoyed the shit out of it. But... Of course, because it's Dave Chappelle, and he literally does anything, it causes a controversy, and it's really funny because you start seeing these reports of like thousands of Netflix employees um, are are going to walk out, you know, and protest, and it was hundreds of Netflix employees are going to walk out and protest, but it happened, it came, it went. No one really gave a shit because there's nothing really to give a shit about. And let's just listen to this or read this article real quick. Hundreds of Netflix employees walked out of work in protest of the streaming platform's controversial Dave Chappelle special. The workers who are organized by Team Trans believe the special is transphobic and and are calling for Netflix to remove it, it and commit to releasing more intersectional content. So release it and then also do what we say as far as releasing what we want you to not keep it up and also release more intersectional content, which I don't even really know what the fuck that means. Uh, but just think about that, right? That's, that's an odd thing to say. So protesters, um, protesters streamed from the company's sunset Boulevard building at 10 a.m. Wednesday, where they had held a rally to underscore the importance of responsible, responsible content offerings that prioritize the safety and dignity of all marginalized communities. I'm just gonna say this. Um, fuck that. That's not what entertainment is for. Okay, that's not what entertainment is for. Because you can see here. Like, think about this. Think about like what actually happened, right? Let's think about war. Let's think about marginalized people. I don't know, a million people in the Middle East were killed by uh, American, you know, collateral damage in the past twenty years. Or something like that. Hundreds of thousands. A bunch. A bunch of people. I would consider those people marginalized, but we still glorify war constantly in our entertainment because it's not fucking real. Do I think that's a good idea? Do I think it's it's, it's okay for the military to have to approve war movies? No, I think it's fucked up. I think it actually has real consequences. Whereas this Dave Chappelle special will not translate to real-world violence or oppression of trans people by any stretch of the imagination, and to be honest, the thing wasn't fucking transphobic in the first place. If you think it was, it's because you're looking for something that isn't there to support your own um, existence as a human being. So, the employees are walking out of Netflix, a Netflix most team, a... social team dedicated to the company's lbgtq plus content so they have a team of people for that content so just let notice here hundreds of Netflix employees walked out let's listen to this uh little bit that was on CBS dozens of
1: protesters on, what was that the protesters made their voices heard today outside Netflix let's try it again dozens of protesters okay, made their voices more heard time. today dozens of protesters dozens of pro- okay so
0: dozens of protesters. maybe you should print a retraction here because it was actually dozens dozens of protesters it's a meme dozens of protesters oh dozens
1: they outside netflix offices in los angeles Workers walked out to protest Dave Chappelle's new comedy special, which some consider offensive to transgender people. The company put out a statement saying it values its trans colleagues, respects the walkout, and recognizes that it needs to do better.
0: <laughs> I love how the default apologies. We recognize we need to do better. We recognize that we need to do, it's just some ambiguous bullshit that doesn't mean anything. We need to do better. We, Our job is to make money and entertain people and make them laugh. But we need to do better with more intersectional content. You want to hear about intersectional content? Go watch Captain Marvel and tell me that's a good movie. It was intersectional. Go women. How about the new Star Wars movies? Who better? Absolute garbage. Yay, strong women. They don't have to go through any kind of challenges. They're just awesome. No matter what. All the men in this movie are silly assholes. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. And how do those movies do? Did you, because did you watch Avengers uh, Endgame? Captain Marvel was oddly just not that present. Weird. Maybe it's because people fucking hated that movie because it's garbage. It's trash. It's intersectional, but it's trash. Absolute garbage. Now, there was a time where intersectional TV was great. Will and Grace. Will and Grace, for me, as a small, as a kid from the Bible Belt, Will and Grace... Normalized gay men. Now the redheaded woman from that show got attacked for somehow being (laughs) problematic, Uh, but uh, that show was great for me because it was funny, it was fun, and it introduced me to something that I was unfamiliar with. That in my point in my life now, and even in my younger life, my pre-adult life, I accepted as normal. That's intersectional content, right? But it was good. That's what matters. It was good if you want something to be intersectional make it good right it shouldn't be good and intersectional not intersectional and and there and present and this Dave Chappelle everybody's so mad at this guy he's an outrageous dude and when you look at the Rotten Tomatoes it's like 97% now the critic score is like 40 but we ignore that we ignore we're so divorced from reality say like hey Maybe this won't age well. Who cares? Go watch Blazing Shadows and shut the fuck up. It's a weird time. And I guess Netflix is going to do better. And I would encourage Netflix, if you're listening, people at Netflix and Netflix employees, especially in the C-suite, do better by making better shows, better content. Maybe give Tim Dillon an hour-long special and actually pay him. Don't be a pussy, Netflix. Don't. We need you to be strong and defend creativity because no one else is doing it. Maybe you guys and HBO. It's all we got left. It's all we have left. Dozens of protesters. Dozens of protesters to the streets making change. Did you guys know that Russell Brand is a right-wing extremist? Yeah, me either. Surprise. But the Daily Beast has educated me on all of um, Russell Brand's right-wing beliefs. Comedian Russell Brand has become a powerful voice for anti-vaxxers. The comedian seems to have found a loyal fan base in conservatives and anti-vaxxers who have flocked to his YouTube and Facebook accounts for his rambling vaccine skeptic views hard hitting hard hitting journalism by the daily beast you guys are absolute clowns if there's one thing few people had in their 2021 bingo cards it would be that anti-vaccine va- vectors becoming enamored with the british comedian russell brand for his conspiracy theory laden youtube channel the forgetting sarah marshall actor has always presented himself as a contrarian and a quote free thinker who isn't afraid to challenge established views or spout off at the government both uk and the us because we can't have that, because journalism is actually compliance now. Um, but recently, Brand, who has always seemed to skew left in his political views, <laughs> has found a loyal fan base in right-wing conservatives and anti-vaxxers who have flocked to his YouTube and Facebook accounts, hailing the 46-year-old as a so-called voice of reason. So, let's break that down real quick. So, they're again they're trying to conflate right wingers and anti-vaxxers, which there's a couple things there. One. Um, those two things aren't necessarily correlated in the way that everybody wants you to believe they are. So let's just put that out there. Also, being um open-minded to the idea that maybe you don't need the COVID vaccine is not the same thing as being an anti-vaxxer. And using that term to describe people who are not vaccinated for COVID is a bad faith statement in and of itself. So let's just stay there. Now let's keep moving on. He's played, he he's played heavy to his fan base. Um, interviewing right-wing trolls Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens, although he does disagree with them on certain points. Yeah. So uh, Candace Owens is a right-wing troll. Ben Shapiro, not so much. Um, When they talk about Cardi B, it's whatever. I think Ben actually believes what he says. Candace, I think, is an absolute fucking grifter, but we can leave that there. Um, But he disagreed with them. He challenged their ideas. And they were willing to go and talk to someone who was, Kind of a socialist. I actually was watching a Ben Shapiro conversation with uh, Anna Kasparian, which both of them are flamboyant douchebags. But I wanted to hear what they had to say. So, I mean, I think it's good to have those kind of conversations. Is good. And honestly, if right wingers are coming to listen to to Russell Brand, they might learn something on what it's like to be a human being. You know what I mean? If people are are, are gravitating to someone who has a very pragmatic leftist view, and give me a break. Russell Brand is a leftist okay not a Democrat, not a neoliberal he's a leftist in many ways that I am he and I agree on most things I've heard him talk about because he's a social is a civil libertarian and an and, and a leftist when it comes to government policy It's very strange but many of us live there many of us feel comfortable with that and many of us want to challenge ideas and appreciate that Russell does what he does with the fact that he' and has notoriety in a very similar way that Joe Rogan does but we have to villainize these people because they're straying away from the mainstream narrative. The titles of his video are, videos are often designed to delight or infuriate depending on the p- viewer's political stance. Leaning heavily on incredulous clickbait titles such as Thought Biden Could Sink Any Lower, Think Again. Did liberals use feminism to justify Afghanistan clusterfuck? Yeah, they did. Uh, shocking Wuhan evidence. Did Fauci lie? Yes, he did. So Trump was right about the Clintons in Russia? Yeah, he was. <laughs> right? So so it's like, yeah, these are, but that, that's just kind of how people title videos. I don't do it that much, but I totally understand it. But this is the Daily Beast saying this. This is the Daily fucking Beast saying this. So let's just cruise over to the Daily, Peace, Daily Beast homepage real quick. And see what they have to say. This is what's fueling the UK's COVID mega surge or mega COVID surge. The mega COVID surge. Okay. Leader of cult leader that sacrificed humans dies in cop car crash. Hmm. Why Chrissy Teigen travels with her late son's ashes. Hard-hitting journalism. Oh, man. Let's see. Three abandoned kids and one skeleton found in Texas' house of horrors. That's crazy. And Tell me that's not clickbait. How is that not clickbait? For the past few weeks, Brand has also taken issue with the vaccine, casting doubt on the trustworthiness of the FDA, asking if vaccine mandates are an assault on people's bodily freedoms, calling the vaccine a gold rush, true, and pondering whether people should trust Bill Gates. They shouldn't. He's a fucking... Billionaire businessman. You shouldn't trust Bill Gates any more than you trust Donald Trump. Uh, Most recently, Brand declared that he was a vaccine, that there was a vaccine apartheid going after CNN anchor Don Lemon, who is a complete clown, after he called out people who refused to get vaccinated. Okay. So that's pretty much the way this whole article goes. But I wanted to point this out because you have one, you have the Daily Beast saying, oh, you just clickbait headlines when that's literally what the Daily Beast does on its homepage right? So pot, meat, kettle. Um, to why? Why? I, and this is, the, I guess, the theme of the episode today is just why does it fucking matter? Yes, you should challenge the, the FDA. Yes, you should challenge government overreach. Yes, you should have conversations that people with people that don't agree with you and see where you have common ground. Now, I know this is a stretch of, of, the, of imagination, we're the pussies at the daily beast who need to live in an echo chamber to feel safe but most of us aren't fucking cowards and we can stand by our beliefs when they're challenged and maybe we'll change our minds maybe we'll learn something maybe people that are conservatives going to russell brand is a good thing maybe conservatives liking joe rogan is a good thing because both of them want everybody to have fucking health care. Which is more than I can say for the asshats at the fucking Daily Beast. Give me a break. You do nothing but divide people and live on fucking fear porn. That's it. Your existence is meaningless. If the Daily Beast ceases to exist today... No one would give a fuck and they would go somewhere else for what is the most abundant content that exists on our planet today, which is fear-born. That's it. Your cries for relevance and trying to drag someone who's actually in some kind of integrity makes you look even more clownish. Journalism as a whole should be embarrassed should be absolutely embarrassed. (sighs) Comedian Russell Brand has become a powerful voice for anti-vaxxers. And I guess he joins me now in the club of right-wing extremism. Some rare common sense around COVID has been cited in Sweden and Norway. They're lifting their COVID restrictions. The sparks reactions as pundits want to end mandates from newsweek here the decision by sweden norway and denmark to lift covid related restrictions has gained mixed reactions on social media because that matters amid a push to end vaccine and mass mandates in the u.s the move to scrap out covid related restrictions in all three countries promotes some criticism against the measures in the u.s and some republicans continue to push back against mandates hoping to reach similar outcomes it's sad that it's only republicans It is sad that it's only Republicans. It frustrates the shit out of me to no end. So as we look at this, you got to think, all right, what leads to this decision between Sweden, Norway, and Denmark? Of course. And you got to think they're going to make decisions differently in those countries because the government holds the bag for medical decisions, right? If There's bad outcomes. The government holds the bag for that. So they got to be responsible with what the hell they're doing. So they expanded their uh, their, uh, capacity to handle uh, COVID patients, and they said, all right. It's going to happen. So let it happen. There is no stopping this. The idea that you're going to stop this thing is comical at best. It's not going to happen. So let's do the best we can. Let's actually keep our healthcare workers on staff instead of firing them. <laughs> Weird, right? Odd concept. And then... Uh, get to a place where you have herd immunity and everybody's gonna everybody's gonna get COVID you get the vaccine you're getting COVID you don't have the vaccine you're getting COVID is what it is The immunity is better when you get it is what it is sorry it's how it goes it's kind of like how nature works even though this came from a lab but anyways so why is this not the, the common narrative well one because this crazy madness is highly profitable for people who pull the levers of power so there's that And then, uh, two, it's become a political culture war. So it's not about health. It's not about the economy. It's about power. This is a war over power that we're caught in the middle of. This is literally Game of Thrones. If you watch the Game of Thrones shows or read the books, you know that the common people don't actually give a shit who the king is. Targaryen, Stark, Lannister, Baratheon. No one fucking cares. They just want to live and be able to provide for themselves and their families and be safe. But instead now, we've been manipulated into hating each other for no fucking reason. And it's become a fight for power. And to reference Game of Thrones one more time before we move on, chaos is a ladder. And I've never seen a more clear example of people climbing that ladder at the cost of everyone else than I see right now. So over the week that I was getting married, there was a lot going on about this uh, Southwest situation, right? So we had pilots, and it was like, well, the weather, but then this, and, the, and it was just all this weird, and it was really hard to get straight information on what the fuck was going on. So I had uh, to resort to going to the Daily Wire. I had to go to the Daily Wire to get anything on this that I could that seemed true or realistic, which is funny. Shout to Daily Wire for putting out good content. So as that was happening, I was keeping up with it. Now we've seen Southwest Airlines walks back un- unpaid leave stance for unvaccinated staffers seeking exemptions. So they had this situation. There was essentially a walkout. It, it fucked everything up. I mean, people were trying to travel. We were just concerned people weren't going to be able to make it to our wedding. Kelly's maid of honor. Uh, his flight got canceled. Like It was a whole thing. Super funny, actually, not because it all worked out, but it was really funny at the time. Um, Just watching this and just people living, like being on planes for seven hours on the tarmac, like just wild shit. And you're looking at this going, wow, this was easily avoidable by just not trying to enforce authoritarian bullshit on the people who don't want it. It's avoidable. Southwest Airlines will not place unvaccinated staff on unpaid leave while they await potential exemptions of the, to the COVID-19 vaccine mandate, according to new internal guidelines from the airline. Steve Goldberg and Julie Weber, two Southwest executives, communicated the change with employees in a memo on Friday. The memo obtained by CNBC News notes that any staff who have requested an exemption but haven't heard back yet uh, by the December 8 deadline will not be forced onto unpaid leave. Now, I'm curious if that's going to be expanded. To people who just don't want to get vaccinated because it's their fucking right to not get vaccinated if they don't want to. Weird, I know. But it is. It's true. Don't need I don't I don't need I don't need to be religious, to not get vaccinated. I don't need a medical exemption, to not get vaccinated. I need to have a thought that says, I don't want to get vaccinated, and that's it. That's all the fucking proof you need for me, you motherfuckers. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? So we're seeing a little bit of a slip here. A little bit of a walk back. Is it enough? No. But it's a start. It's a start. And what happened, that clusterfuck that happened at Southwest, keep that energy up. December 8th is coming fast. You're going to see them try to enforce this. Don't comply. I said this months and months ago. I need to go find the clip. Maybe Josh can find that for me. But it was... Talking about the end, the end of this will come when compliance ends. If enough people, mass noncompliance, compliance non-violent non-compliance, the things of Gandhi and MLK. That's all it takes. And this shit will be over. And of course, people on the other side of the aisle, on the other side of the issue will say, if you quit resisting, it'll be over. I don't think they're right. If I thought they were right, I would quit resisting. Because compliance breeds more compliance. At least if you resist, the people that are pushing their agenda on you have to kind of reevaluate what they're doing give you some more time. I don't want to jump on a slippery slope here. And I'm glad to see what the pilots and the employees of Southwest did. Very proud of them. Very pr- that's not Putting your livelihood on the line, not an easy thing to do. So super proud of them for doing that. Shouts to you guys. Keep this energy up. Well, we couldn't get out of here without talking about uh, the Sanjay Gupta Joe Rogan podcast. Listen to that um, on one of my drives to or from Texas. I don't remember, but a great podcast, really good conversation. And I only honestly think Sanjay Gupta is a good dude. I think he's a nice guy. I think he's very well-intentioned. I think he's a genuine guy. I think he takes the, the traditional line or the, the the common narrative that most doctors take. And honestly, I don't fault him for that. I really don't. Like I said, and I've said this over and over again. You want to get vaccinated, get after it. I so I I I fully support paid medical leave for people who want to get vaccinated. I think that's great. You don't? Cool. Me either. But that's my own decision. It's kind of like if you're if you're it's freedom. Pro freedom. Do what you want to do. Do what you think is best for you. Do what you think is best for your family. Good to go. Right. And it seems like Sanjay, of course, he's a doctor. He's the medical anchor at CNN. This is what he does not a surprise that he's pro-vaccine. It is a surprise, and it says a lot about him, that he will go on Joe Rogan. I don't expect to see Don Lemon on Joe Rogan anytime soon. I would love that, but Don Lemon wouldn't do that because Don Lemon is a coward. And he's jealous because Joe Rogan's audience is four times the size of his on a bad day. On a good day for Don, a bad day for Joe, four times the audience. Four times. I wonder why that is. But let's hear Don get uh, get a little pissy about the fact that Joe Rogan called him a fucking liar. Let's check this out.
4: But he, he did say something about ivermectin that I think wasn't actually correct about CNN and lying. Okay, ivermectin is a drug that is commonly used as a horse dewormer. So it is not a lie to say that the drug is used as a horse dewormer.
0: Okay, well, if that's the case, then Valium is a dog drug. Ketamine is a horse tranquilizer. Not an anesthetic for humans, even though. uh, Let's see. um, Xanax is an anti-anxiety medication for dogs and cats and other animals. So it would be true for me to categorize these highly prescribed medicines for humans as animal medicine, as veterinary medicine. But if I were to do that, I would be a fucking liar. If I was to characterize Xanax as a dog medication, then I would be a liar. Okay? You understand? You with me? I wouldn't do that because I don't want to lie. Get it? There's a difference here. In the same way that ivermectin is a human drug that was later adapted to be used as a heartworm medication for dogs, as a dewormer for horses, as an anti-parasitic drug for all kinds of living beings. Because it just so happens that we're all kind of similar. We're kind of made of the same things. So drugs being repurposed for animals, not that big of a deal. And if we're gonna talk about animals and drugs, why don't we talk about Dr. Fauci, what he's been doing to dogs for 40 years? Let's have that conversation. Moving on.
4: I, I think that's important, and it is not approved for COVID, correct? That's right. That's correct. It, it it is
0: not a- okay so let's think about this before before sanjay goes into his thing there's very very small chance that you'll have side effects from ivermectin from an appropriate dose of ivermectin the side effect side effects are very rare and typically generally mild okay so there's a 10% chance a 20% chance a 50% chance that ivermectin might help if you have covid There is no reason, no feasible reason not to take it. And especially, and we're going to go into this with monoclonal antibodies, vitamin D, vitamin C, moving around, anything you do with a typical influenza, right? So there's really not that much of a downside. I took ivermectin when I thought I had COVID because why not? There's not really that much of a downside to trying it out. It's been around forever. Again, Nobel Prize winning drug. And maybe it treats the spike protein like a parasite. Who knows? We're still figuring it out. But there's not enough money. There's not a financial incentive behind it because it's a general drug. And what we're hearing now is that Pfizer and Merck are changing ivermectin a little bit so they can repatent it and charge out the ass for it, which is a very common thing the pharmaceutical industry does. And the FDA is bought by the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical industry. So we have no one to trust here. And instead of taking responsibility for that, like Don Lemon should, as being a part of the problem and and leading people to figure things out for themselves because you've lost every ounce of trust the public had in you, you want to blame Joe Rogan. Let's continue
4: approved for COVID and you're right. I mean, the FDA even put out a a statement saying, you know, basically reminding people it was a strange sort of message from the FDA, but they said, you're not a horse. You're not a cow. Stop taking this stuff is essentially what they said, referring
0: to ivermectin. Now I think what, what Joe's point is. is I'm
4: going
0: to back this up just, just a bit here. He says now, which makes sense. I mean, with the FDA did say that because the FDA is full of fucking shit, but he goes, Listen to what happens as soon as Sanjay says what Joe's point was. Listen to what happens. What what Joe's point that is? It has been approved for humans, and but not he gets cut off because Don Lemon is not curious to hear what Joe's perspective is. He cares about his feelings, his ego, and uh, that's where we're at. So let's keep going.
4: Necessarily for COVID, right? Yeah. That's correct. It's been, it's been used for a parasitic disease for something. It's called river blindness, and it's been very effective for that. But, you know, just because it works for one thing doesn't mean it works for something else. Right. And, you know, there's still a few ongoing clinical trials around ivermectin. But for the most part, if you look at the data, there's no evidence that it, that it really works here. When Joe got sick, he took ivermectin. He also took monoclonal antibodies, mm-hmm. which is you know, an infusion of these antibodies. So he took both those things. It's, it's, it's very likely it was the monoclonal antibodies that made him feel better so quickly.
0: Sanjay. So they basically put Sanjay on and made him apologize and had him walk you back. I thought Sanjay did a good job defending himself and having a conversation. I think Joe did a great job holding him to account and asking questions that everybody wanted to hear someone like Sanjay answer. But we can't have that. We can't have that kind of discourse. That kind of discourse is dangerous. You need to go to jail for thought crimes. Thought crimes. God, I can't wait for the new podcast. Guys, it's been fun. I think it's time now to move on to the final segment of the show. I gotta just give you my foreplay voice I'm doing this to the final segment of the show where I give you something to think about. There is no political party that is pro freedom. There is not a pro-freedom political party in the United States of America. I will die on that hill if I have to. But here's what happens. Here is what happens. Both political parties want you to believe that government is evil. Unless, unless they're in charge. Funny how that works, isn't it? fascism, authoritarianism, socialism, none of these things mean anything anymore at all because they've been beaten to death by one side or another trying to convince you that government only matters and is only good if they're in charge. If they're in charge. And I think what they get us to do here and what they rally us to do as a, as a nation, as, as a community, as a people, is cheer For the other side to fail. Cheer for the other side to fail. They con you. They manipulate you. Into cheering for the government to fail. Not because it's good for you. For the government to fail. Because it's good for them. For the other side to look bad. So they can run ads. And then they're incentivized. To make sure. When they have the opportunity to stall the government. It's why every president, may be president for four years, but has about 100 days to push their agenda before the wheels fall off. And you're a part of it. And so am I. We've all done this. But what I want you to think about today is the con job that we are a part of to root for failure Land of the free, home of the brave, land of political parties that root for the other side to give, to fail and where the leadership within that party conspires to make sure that the other side fails. Let's talk about this college tuition situation with community colleges. What if that actually would have worked? What if in five years we look at that and go, man, that really created a more robust workforce in this country. Does that make the Republicans look good? No. They want it to fail because it helps them gain power. It is textbook gaslighting. Textbook gaslighting. And we are falling for it in droves. The Democrats do this too. But right now, the Democrats are in power. And we're watching as conservatives. Try and sabotage and root against fail, root against success, of their own country, because they want power. And we watch the same thing happen with the Democrats, especially with Trump, especially with Trump, rooting and conspiring to make sure that he failed. It's selfish, it's narcissistic, and it's cowardice. Regardless of whether it's Nancy Pelosi or Ted Cruz, I don't give a shit. When you root for your country to fail, you are a part of the problem. Don't fall for it. Something to think about. Something to think about, guys. We did it. We ran long today. New podcast called Thought Criminals coming out soon. Just seeding that. Don't think about. Don't think about it too much. But it's happening. 2022, baby. It's been really fun. I'm glad to be back. Back to regular schedule programming. Don't have to overthink it. I'm married now. Got nothing else to do. You guys are the best. Make sure to join that Patreon. Bonus episode every week. I love you. Keep your head on straight. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.